Welcome back to Jeopardy! Alderaan Edition. We're ready for the Double Jeopardy! round. Utini the Jawa goes first, and here are the categories. The Outer Rim. Jedi or not. That's no moon. Sith happens. Small thermal exhaust ports just below the main port. And potpourri. Utini, where do we start? Utini! This online Star Wars store has officially shipped to every country on the planet Earth. R6-D9. Jet's Toy Hut is correct, and you have control of the board. Zero movement. Greedo. No, anyone else? What is Jet's Toy Hut's shipping policy is the correct response. That sound means we have to move on to Final Jeopardy. The category is action figures. The clue, seven. Seven, you have 30 seconds. Good luck. Let's go to Utini the Jawa. What did you write? Utini! Surprisingly, your own name is not the correct response. And you wagered everything... Bringing you to zero. Let's go to Greedo. You had 16,000 Republic credits, and you wrote... The number of custom-sized boxes that Jet's Toy Hut uses to ship collectibles. That is the correct response, but unfortunately, you forgot to phrase it in the form of a question. What the hell is that sound? ToyHut.com All too easy. Psycho Biddy, qu'est-ce I'm Kevin Leeson. What do poor beagles and boobies have in common? I'm Mr. Dr. Greg Bull. All day I dream about slaying my brother. I'm Joe Fulgham. It's a shark fetus eats shark fetus world out there. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is... Caustic Soda! Sibling rivalry. So, All right, Mike, don't turn off our mics. We still need to record this episode. My brother Michael, who's our sound engineer. Oh, here. yeah. You want to go fight him over it? <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Sibling is a modern revival of the old English word sibling, which means relative. It's from pre-Germanic for one's own. Of, of mine, one's own. So it belongs okay. to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a couple of phobias that are sort of related. Uh, syngenesphobia is the fear of relatives. And I couldn't really find a fear of rivalry. However, as we've talked about before, I believe atikophobia is the fear of failing. Right. So if you have a rivalry and you're afraid of failing in that rivalry, you would have atikophobia. Especially if you're a tick. (laughs) Especially, that's right. And the word origin of fratricide, which is the act of killing a brother, comes from Latin fratricida, brother slayer, from frater, brother, and sida, killer, and sororicide, much the same. That sounds like that they used that word a lot back in ancient Greece. <laughs> sounds like that they had that one chambered. Yeah. Fratricida means brother slayer. No, we're TM not. TM that. I'm going to TM that. Okay. Uh, it's going to be kind of like a sequel to Beastmaster or something. I'm brother not slayer? Sure. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what. Right. Ooh, maybe it'll kill monks. So we're not just going to talk about sibling rivalry among humans. We're also going to talk about uh, sibling rivalry in the animal kingdom. It's, of course, a competition between uh, children. 
And you mm-hmm. can be blood related or not, actually, is what the Wikipedia page says. But I would okay. think to be a sibling, should, don't you have to be blood related? Anyway, to, to help us talk about the Animal Kingdom version of sibling rivalry, we have Mr. Greg Bull from UBC here. Dr. Greg Bull. Dr. Greg Bull. Dr. Mr. Greg Bull. Thank you very much. Mr. Doctor. You're uh, so, both doctors. So, Greg, uh, what are your bona fides? What makes you particularly – do you hate your siblings? Is that it? So I, I have two siblings, and we, we get along quite nicely. But oh. we're all male, so we did fight. We did have some rivalry. Mm. You know, right. So access to grind, per yes. se. This is, I, this is totally the in-your-face moment, right? But the reason I'm interested in this topic is uh, my degree is in evolutionary biology. And so studying the evolution of behavior is a particularly interesting topic. Wait a minute. Didn't the school board in Oklahoma determine that evolution doesn't exist? Well, some people might think that, yes. Uh Okay. Especially if you're in Oklahoma. Uh They just want to tell. Luckily, we are not. (laughs) They want to tell both sides of the story, the true side and the false side. So I've got a couple of good examples through history uh, of sibling rivalry. Of course, we can go back to uh, Cain and Abel, which isn't exactly history. I was tempted to leave that for pop culture. Right. I've got something in the Ottoman Empire. In the Ottoman Empire, a policy of judicial royal fratricide was introduced by Sultan Mehmet II. You may remember his name from our Vlad the Impaler episode. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, whose grandfather, Mehmed I, in order to take the throne, had to fight a long and bloody civil war against his brothers, which brought the empire near to destruction. Hmm. So when a new sultan ascended to the throne, he would imprison all of his surviving brothers and kill them by strangulation with a silk cord so as not to chafe. (laughs) (laughs) He's a giving brother. Yeah, you know, you don't want that nasty rash in the open (laughs) casket, right? Uh, And that would be done as soon as... uh, the new sultan had produced his first male heir. Yeah, because you didn't want all these brothers like plotting to poison you and whatever and like take your throne exactly. away from you, right? The largest killing took place on the succession of Mehmed III when 19 of his brothers were killed and buried with their father. The aim was to prevent civil war. Wow. Mm. There must have been some law about <laughs> not spilling blood, which is how that whole silk cord Oh, maybe, oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, because right? yeah, if you use piano wire, you'd, uh, you know, that <laughs> wouldn't necessarily be an unbloody version of it. I would be wearing like an anti-silk cloth neck collar. Like, I just have this, <laughs> this, big, this metal, big metal thing around my neck. Sleep in it. Really, Mehmed? Can you cut it out? Got <laughs> to pull tighter. Just give it up. <laughs> Okay. You invent Nehru jackets just with like serious, you know, steel belt under the collar. <laughs> and so comfortable. So what have we got to to counter that with from the animal kingdom? So we've got 19 brothers dying. Well, well first of all, we started with the animal kingdom. Don't forget, okay. we're animals as well. That's so. true. The rest, oh, yeah. the rest of the animal kingdom. Some more animalistic animal. than others. Mm-hmm. In fact, well, exactly. The more we talk about human behavior, the more we'll see that uh, that animal side uh killing each other and, and things like that. Bubbling to the surface. The two most exciting topics in um, a zoological theme are uh, siblicide, which we were just talking about. So there's lots of cool examples of, of siblicide. Um, and then my favorite uh, new word that I learned when researching this is adelphophagy. Adelphophagy. Something to do with eating. <laughs> okay, adelphophagy is eating. I'll give you a hint. Okay. My, my hometown from the United States, uh, Philadelphia. City of brotherly love. There we go. Oh. So brotherly brother, love. Brother eating. eating your brother. Uh, brother okay. eating, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was going to go with adeltophagy and that you eat at the mouth of a river. Oh, I see. Oh. Well, if you eat your brother at the mouth of a river, <laughs> that would a... be adelta adelphophagia. <laughs> nice. So we'll come back to the, the adelphophagy. Hey, I Mike, think... we got, I got a picnic planned. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with siblicide. All right. 
So siblicide is when they're sort of they're born and they, they, they fight it out. This is sort of the nasty side of sibling rivalry in the, the animal world. Let's take, for example, the black eagle. The black eagle always lays two eggs. Both eggs hatch, but one invariably hatches before the other one. Right. And the one that hatches first, a little bit bigger, a little bit older, has this nice, cruel uh, eagle beak. And uh, the two siblings fight to the death within the first few days. How does that usually go? Uh, the big one wins yeah. most of the time. But yeah. maybe maybe the smaller one is sneaky, kind of gets a good, oh, good shot in there. The two it's days old. You, don't have, you haven't really had a chance to build up your craftiness yet. Maybe what in the those, world could that be? <laughs> maybe it's those big eagle eyes looking at his older brother. <laughs> he's he's, he's sleeping. <laughs> in theory, the older brother could be weaker if there was some kind of congenital defect. Right, okay. But so, then do they just toss him out of the nest, or how does that work? Yeah, sure, that's what they would do. The second egg is sort of a backup in case right. something goes wrong with the first egg. So this is basically the eagle version of sumo wrestling. You just have to get him out, push him out of the far end of the nest. Yeah, I would like to see sumo victor. wrestling like 30 feet up in the air <laughs> at the ring. Oh, that would totally work. Oh, man. That would be awesome. We could even keep it safe by putting like big, you know, landing safe bags in oh, the bottom. Boo. Have you seen boo. sumo wrestlers? They have to be yeah. really, really big bags. I know. That would <laughs> be no. awesome. They have the safety bag built into their stomachs and asses. <laughs> but just, I w- just land on their, in their bellies. It's inherent in their whole physical construction. But I would also like to see them in bird suits and... And the uh, <laughs> ring dressed up like a nest. Better yet, they start off in bird suits inside eggs and have to break their way free. <laughs> With a giant metal like beak attached to their forehead face. This yeah, is yeah. a spectator sport that is going to sweep the nation. Sport of the future. First, we saw birds fly and wanted to fly, and we created airplanes. Uh-huh. Now we've seen birds fight to the death in the nest, and we've created this new sport. <laughs> oh, man. Thank oh, you, man. birds. There's a couple other good bird stories with uh, a little bit of violence between siblings. Um, the cattle egrets and a couple other kinds of egrets. Wait, cattle? Like as in cows? So, so they hang out around cows. Okay. So the birds are called cattle egrets because the cows stir up the little bugs in the grass and then the birds okay. get to eat all the bugs. All right, so they don't eat cows. No, but that'd be, <laughs> that'd be much cooler. They don't. They don't actually eat Damn the cow it. themselves, but they, they hang out with the cows. And they have multiple babies. They lay, lay multiple eggs. And uh, the first two, they load up with androgens. They load up with steroids. Mm. So the mom has puts more steroids into the first two eggs. This is so, through a needle. She injects <laughs> yeah. them. Kind of, kind of, a, a natural eagle, uh, needle. <laughs> and cattle egrets always come out as an egg talking like this. <laughs> So the first two are just really, really aggressive. And then if there's plenty of food for everybody, then everybody gets fed. Right. If there's limited amounts of food, then the first two are just going to beat the heck out of the, the smaller ones. Nice. Okay. And like eat them for food or just kill them so that their food go, just gets pooled to a smaller pool? The latter, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Cattle egrets have sharp, pointy bills. Very sharp. Should be, could be called stabby egrets. Stabby egrets. Mm-hmm. If only scientists were more descriptive. Well, I think they are in the Latin. You start deciphering some of the Latin phrases for animals, and they're just really like... Yeah, but isn't like the common rat... If I've learned anything from Wile E. Coyote cartoons, (laughs) the scientists are very descriptive with the Latin names. Running as fastiest. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. My last bird story is, um, is everybody's favorite bird. Oh, that's a TV show, right? Everybody loves birds? Everybody Everybody loves loves Big Bird? Big Bird. 
Are you going to talk about Big Bird killing Snuffleupagus? <laughs> the reason people can't see Snuffleupagus is he's the spirit of Big Bird's dead brother. Okay. Well, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, there used to be about four Big Birds. Four, four medium-sized birds, actually. <laughs> and one Big Bird. And now there's one Big Bird, yes. Nice. No, I was going to mention everybody's favorite bird, the booby. Oh, yes. Uh. I mean, who doesn't love boobies? And what so, does the booby do? Well, there's a couple different kinds of, of boobies. There's the, the blue-footed booby is a famous one. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Nazca booby is another one. These guys are often found in the Galapagos, uh, on different islands in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And they, while other birds will uh, fight if there's limited resources, the boobies, the booby babies, are obligate siblicide birds. Meaning? Obligate Obligate. Siblicide. Obligate means they have to. They just, kill their brothers. That's right. It's what would happen if they didn't? Then they would all die. Oh. They would all starve, right? Okay. So, and they do the pushing out of the nest thing. They do our sport of the future. Right. So there's only ever one left, no matter how many they start with. Maybe there's like a, there's a Conan booby out there that got pushed out of the nest and just like started, you know, lifting rocks and like, oh. you know... Uh, and the the wheel of uh, pushing that the giant wheel of woe, wheel of woe. Dun, 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 and and then just it comes back and it's the dun, baddest dun, ass dun, booby dun, of them all, right? You push me out of my nest. <laughs> I've come for revenge. Oh, it's got to be like a great one liner, like uh, "Hatch this." <laughs> <laughs> by great, you mean by Arnold Schwarzenegger movie standards? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Understood. <laughs> Should we go back to a history one? Has anybody got anything before World War Two? So much sibling rivalry in, like, ancient mythology, right? You know, like, from all the Greek stories, it's always brothers and hubris. And so many of their stories are the sins of the father passed down to the the sons and the brothers, right? And even, like, uh, all the kings and their brothers were all trying to usurp each other. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's so much of it. Like, that could be an episode almost unto itself. Yeah, even even the Greek gods are competing against each other. Yeah, and and they're all brothers and sisters. Competing against their parents. Yeah, yeah. because they all humped each other, like, constantly. And so that's how they all came to pass. I want to talk about Adolf and Rudolf Dassler, two uh, German brothers. Trained as a cobbler, which, yeah, shoe guy, uh-huh. uh, Adolf, or Adi is his nickname, Dassler, started to produce his own sports shoes in his mother's laundry after his return from World War I. In- so you go to war in the trenches and yeah. you go... People need better footwear. Yeah. This, right? I, that makes perfect sense. we got to keep running across the open ground, <laughs> and every second is a second less of a machine gun uh-huh. shooting yeah. bullets at me. Right. So he started making sports shoes. Uh, in 1924, his older brother, Rudolf, joined the business, which became the Gebruder Dassler Schuhfabrik, which means uh, Dassler Brothers Shoe Factory. It, it sounds way longer in German. They like to do that, don't yeah. they? I think it's just more consonants is what you're confused yeah. right, with. Right, right. More syllables? And also everything's mushed together. Mm-hmm. For the 1936 Summer Olympics, uh, Adi drove from Bavaria on one of the world's first motorways to the Olympic Village with a suitcase full of spikes, and he persuaded the U.S. sprinter Jesse Owens to use them. Was this to, oh. to scatter behind him so the other runners <laughs> <Like> could <laughs> keep Well, spike shoes, shoes with spikes on the bottom. Uh, this was the first sponsorship of an African-American. All right. Following Owen's haul of four gold medals, his success cemented the good reputation of Dassler shoes among the world's most famous sportsmen. With the rise of Adolf Hitler in the 1930s, both Dassler brothers joined the Nazi party, with Rudolf reputed as being the more ardent national socialist. Okay. Uh, Rudolf was drafted while Adi stayed behind to produce boots for the Wehrmacht, Wehrmacht just being the armed forces. The armed forces, yeah. So during the war, a growing rift between the pair reached a breaking point after an Allied bomb attack in 1943 when Adi and his wife climbed into a bomb shelter that Rudolf and his family were already in. Adi said, the dirty bastards are back again, referring to the Allied warplanes, but Rudolf was convinced that his brother meant him and his family. 
Holy, that is touchy. You are yeah. like you are sitting on a razor's edge. Exactly. Like this doesn't that doesn't doesn't have my accident. Like you're waiting for your brother to like yeah. piss you off. Yeah. Like you've been on edge. You're looking for, for an quite, excuse. You're looking for a fight. This almost sounds like an episode of Three's Company, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just over here something. Awesome. I just hear something, they're talking about someone else. And... Jack. <laughs> or it could also be that he fucking hated his brother yeah. and he's just like, This is a last straw. There's right. probably way more behind this. They don't go into... You'll find out kind of why we don't know a lot because there are people that don't want to talk about this too much. Right. Uh, later on, Rudolph was picked up by American soldiers and accused of being a member of the Waffen SS and he was convinced that his brother had turned him in. <laughs> oh my God. This is coming like pathological. Yeah. Like... Now, unlike a lot of the rest of this, the sibling rivalry did not end up in attacks or death or murder or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But this is the really interesting thing. In 1948, the rift between the brothers widened. Rudolph left the company to found a company called Ruda from Rudolf Dassler. Uh And he made his own shoes. Adolf Dassler renamed his company Adidas after his nickname, Adi and Dassler. Adidas. Ruda. Well, this is why in Europe, you when you actually yeah. people pronounce it Adidas, they don't oh, call okay. it Adidas. Wait, Adidas wait. is a North American thing. In Europe, they call it Adidas. When I was in high school, somebody told me that this meant all day, all day I dream about sex. Yeah, but that's not true. <laughs> well, They're lying to me. The common idea is all day I dream about sport is what people claim that it actually meant. Yeah, but that's also like when KISS was supposed to stand for Knights in Satan's Service yeah. or whatever. It's all like revisionist history. That's right? what's called a backronym. Yeah. It means oh, you, I like that. you did the acronym backwards. You already had the word and then you invented what it meant. Ruda, Rudolph's company, was very quickly renamed Puma. Oh. Uh-huh. Which we all know. So Puma and Adidas entered a fierce and bitter, bitter rivalry after the split. The town of... Herzogenorak was divided on the issue, leading the nickname <laughs> The Town of Bent Necks. People would look down to see which shoes strangers were wearing. <laughs> because, Even, like, the two shoe factories were probably in the same exactly, town. Exactly, yeah. And so, you're like, you were either an Adidas man or you were a Puma man. Exactly. The, jet, never... the Jets and the Sharks. <laughs> Even the town's two football clubs were divided. ASV Herzogenorak club supported Adidas, while one FC Herzogenorak endorsed Rudolph's footwear. footwear. When handymen were called to Rudolph's home, they would deliberately wear Adidas shoes. He would tell them to go to the basement and pick out a pair of free Pumas to replace them. So they would do it to get free Pumas. That's right. (laughs) The two brothers never reconciled, and although they're both buried in the same cemetery, they're spaced as far apart as possible. Oh, I thought they'd be at each other's throats, like the two skeletons (laughs) strangling each other. They've each got angels on top of their crypts, and they're reaching out to strangle the (laughs) angel. Flipping the bird. Yeah, I was just about to say, just throwing the finger. One one on one end of the cemetery is mooning the other one. (laughs) Angels wearing sneakers, of course. Mm -hmm. So until we did, I had no idea about this. I didn't know anything about Adidas. I didn't know about the the Adidas, which you did. I knew about Adidas. I did not know about Puma. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one bought out the other now and they've reconciled their <laughs> companies. Since they both, since the original they probably put creators their, are both dead. No, they probably put in their will, you must never merge these two companies as long as the earth shall exist. So Adidas is about twice the profit of Puma, but we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. 200 million versus half a million. Yeah. Or Puma's, Puma's not Sorry, hurting. half a billion. I, I, you know, I would be happy with, half a, with 200 million in profit in one year. Mm-hmm. I think I could deal with that. But that's why you're where you are, Joe. You're you're a quitter. That's right. <laughs> you know that could that could fund a lot of sneaker rumbles. 
that 200 million. See, here's the thing. You never would have uh, entered into this like long-standing rivalry with an attitude like that. Yeah, you exactly. had to be like a real fucking asshole. My my brother, which I actually have one, which I haven't met, would come into the bomb shelter and say, the bastards are back again. And I would be like, yep. <laughs> Fuck those guys. That would be it. Uh, Put yeah. your beak on. We're fighting to the death. And Puma never comes into existence. <laughs> Although I tell you, my sister and I fought like hellions when we were younger. Like never meant it. It was never like it, it was always that kid anger. You know, never about anything important, never a yeah. grudge that lasted longer than, than the hot temper, but just at the drop of a hat would just start fighting anyway. Mike and I fought right up until I was about seven, because when I was seven, we moved from Prince George to Campbell River, mm-hmm. and then neither of us had any friends, and that's pretty much <laughs> persisted up until now. And so then we just like, we, we were only hanging out with each other, so then we kind of stopped being enemies. Uh, my brother used to hate it when I said dill pill kill. So I would say it all the time, and then he'd chase me around the dining room table, and then I'd run to the bathroom and lock the door. I remember all these things. I don't remember that specifically, but I remember your brother just being incredibly annoyed with you. Oh, when wow, I would, it's because I was annoying. When I would go play Gamma World. But dill place. pill kill is all it took? Dill pill kill, dill pill kill, dill pill kill. <laughs> no, imagine me doing that for an entire day. Oh, you, see, but you can say anything with that tone and that volume. Dill pill kill, dill pill kill, dill pill kill. <laughs> but it was specifically that word that drove Merrick That's crazy. his trigger. Yeah. <laughs> That's see, a word? I was aware that was a word. <laughs> I think we have the next Thicket song. Dill pill kill. Now play bass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I've got a good one for you. I, I teased it before, the adulphophagy, um, okay. which is eating one's brother. Mm-hmm. So this is not just, you know, siblings kind of getting in each other's throats, kind of fighting it out, pushing each other out of nests. This is actually, you're going to eat your sibling and, uh, and get bigger because of this. So it's found in a number of different animals, including um, amphibians and uh, different kinds of fishes, okay. especially infamous in sharks. A mm. couple species of sharks where the siblings will eat each other, but it gets weirder because... Now, some sharks lay eggs. Other sharks have live births. That's right. Okay. Some of them, they all, they all come from eggs, right. and sometimes the eggs are, are external, sometimes the eggs are internal. Okay. okay. And so when the eggs are internal and hatch into babies inside the mom, there's these little baby sharks in the mom's uterus mm-hmm. inside. Actually, a lot of sharks have, have two... Uteruses, uteri, uteri, yeah. uteri, uteri sure. Uteronomy. Yeah, let's correct the doctor. <laughs> Uterati, uteroids. It's it's uh. funnier for comedy to wounds. <laughs> wounds. Same both. Uteruses, I. So um, so there's going to be a bunch of sharks in one and a bunch of baby sharks in the other, and then when they're born, guess what? There's only two big fat sharks. Okay. And all the other babies are gone. With really high cholesterol levels because they've been just eating eggs like crazy. So, <laughs> well, not, not eggs. They're, they're eating each other. Oh, okay. Right. So this isn't yeah. the jets and the sharks. This is the sharks and the sharks. The sharks versus the sharks, okay. yes. So they might have a whole bunch. They could have had a whole bunch of babies inside of them. And then, and then there were two. Kind of reminds me of, of Highlander, right? There, uh, there right. will be only one. I would think if, you, if I'm a shark mm-hmm. and I'm in my shark mom's womb... Uh-huh. And I'm just eating everything I can find. Mm-hmm. How do I recognize when to stop eating and I don't just come out the side of my mom's? Is that, is that how they get born? <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't actually have a birth canal. They just chew their way to freedom. Because I assume they're blind in the womb. Uh, well, there's no light dark in, in there. there. It's yeah. pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, so there's there's no luminescence. Kind of I, guess, I guess the sharks have evolved. So in the womb, it's just like a 
Like a straight surface, nothing to grab onto. Maybe it's like steel plated inside or something. Or <laughs> perhaps they're all lined up so that their tails point out and all their mouths point in. So <laughs> oh, I see. they can only eat things right in front of them. Right. When things start moving. So they do, there is a, a version of this where they eat, if the first one that comes out of an egg will eat the other eggs. And that's right. called oophagy. Okay. Right. Yeah, so we got a video just, of that we're going to put up. That's right. some pretty creepy stuff. It's pretty gross. They've found this or found evidence of this in about 14 different species of sharks, um, including the great white. Not a big surprise. Mm-hmm. How do you get a great white and shove a little camera up into the great white's <laughs> womb? How does that work? Very, very, caref- very carefully. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting story how this was first discovered because um, back as, as early as 1907, they knew about the, the egg eating. They, they would you know, basically find only one baby, but they would find evidence of there were multiple eggs right. before that. Um, but it wasn't until the 40s that somebody was doing um, an autopsy on uh, a female sand tiger shark. And so she was dead, obviously, and uh, he was cutting open inside to find out what was going on, and he got bitten. Oh, <laughs> nice. So there was one of the babies inside, still oh, alive, nice. probably the, the nasty one that had just eaten everybody else, and he's there doing his and autopsy. His finger and... did look like a little shark embryo. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he's like, all right, something's going on here. What's going on? They like to nibble. It's a little baby that'd be higher pitched. You know, they have those mobiles over like cribs. You know, that's the song, the Jaws theme from Mobile in the in the womb. Just plinking with that wind up music box. But I also learned about this other cool shark that does this too. So I mean, we've heard of great whites, you've heard of tiger sharks, but the poor beagle. The what? The <laughs> poor, that was my reaction as well. Beagle? The poor beagle is a is no, a kind no. That's of... where uh, that's where Jack and Janet and those guys went to party, right? That was the when they ran beagle. out of money. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Under the poor beagle. Uh-huh. So the poor beagle is a, is a nasty looking shark. It looks kind of like a mako shark. It's got this really sharp, pointy nose. Oh, it looks. It almost looks like a miniature great white shark. That as well. is the greatest discrepancy between good looking shark and bad named shark. Bad yeah. name. Yeah. That is the widest gap in the well, name. Uh, visual. Their friends kind of, made fun of them when they were younger right. sharks, and so oh, they had to turn into super w- badasses. So this is a boy named Sue moment. <laughs> they like right. became the baddest ass sharks because they're uh, just, they got a bad name, like the Jerry Springer show. Mm-hmm. I was a zero, now I'm a hero. Okay, <laughs> I was worried about swimming in the shark infested waters, but then I heard that they're called called poor beagles. So what, what harm could they do? <laughs> not worried yeah. at all until they took a chunk out of my leg. I'm all not right. even afraid of rich beagles. That's, <laughs> you know. So what makes these guys particularly nasty in the uh, in the sibling rivalry category so same same idea they'll have um, multiple embryos um inside of them and they will eat each other to the death it's like a gladiatorial arena in there i've got in recent history the han twins born in south korea in 1974 this is kind of a longish story but a lot of the facts are pretty important as to how it all turned out so okay their mother was a compulsive gambler this is a set of twins identical twins okay Mom was a compulsive gambler and left them alone for days at a time. Okay. And where That's they... always healthy for child development. Yeah. Well, they developed a strong bond. <laughs> Both girls did well and excelled in school. Uh, and I should say they moved to Orange County when they were 12. So they alone? Were both... Without their parents? <laughs> no, with, uh, with their mother. They both graduated from high school as co-valedictorians. Oh, wow. Yeah. So accomplished students. So there's Sunny... Was one of their names. Mm-hmm. She went on to a university on a scholarship, and Gina, the other, joined the Air Force. 
Okay. Stunned by the rigors of Air Force recruit training, Gina tried to leave under the pretense that she was a lesbian, and the Air Force did release her. Uh, she worked in a casino and also became a gambling addict, going into heavy debt. Okay. Gina stole credit cards and personal checks from friends and family. She was arrested and later skipped out on her probation. Okay, so she's officially the bad seed. Got it. Sunny, having failing grades for three semesters, had her scholarship revoked. She dropped out of college and began working as a receptionist. Oh, the, both of them are kind of uh, promising starts and uh, slow to to succeed. Gina moved back to Orange County to live with Sonny. The two had many arguments and Sonny broke Gina's nose once in a fight. Okay. Uh, the police responded to four disturbances and one of them arrested Sonny on an outstanding warrant for credit card theft. So Sonny too was into the old fraud. Well, uh, maybe it's one of those, um, one of those uh, excited identical twin things that she learned how to do it. Yeah, maybe. Just by osmosis, <laughs> yeah. just by her sister doing it. Well, she yeah. was hoping her sister would get arrested instead of her. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Sonny had stolen a friend's card and gone on a shopping spree. When Sonny was in jail, Gina stole Sonny's car, credit cards, ID, and savings. Yeah, I guess it would be really easy to steal your sister's identity if you're mm-hmm. an identical twin. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, this is, in- this is getting interesting now. Uh, after release, Sonny pressed charges, and Gina was convicted, sentenced to six months, and put on a work leave, but she skipped out on that as well. Pretty. Then, this is a pretty like, long rap sheet for a couple yeah. of like relatively young girls. And then shit starts to get real. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we haven't even hit the worst. Gina recruited two teenagers, uh, John Sarayeth, 15, and Archie Bryant, 16, and just before going to Sonny's apartment, went to buy large garbage bags, duct tape, twine, gloves, pine saw cleaners, and magazines. I think I see where this is going. The teens broke into the apartment and tied up Sonny's roommate. Okay, because that that usually sounds that's a good weekend for Joe, right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hearing the noise, Sonny used her cell phone to call the police. Uh, an armed Bryant, one of the teenagers, uh, found Sonny, tied her up, and made both women sit in the bathtub. And the police came, and Bryant was arrested. Gina and Sarieth got away in their rental car. Okay. Gina used Sonny's driver's license to withdraw five thousand dollars in a cash and attempted unsuccessfully to buy a car in Sonny's name. Okay. Both Gina and Sarah were arrested that night when they turned up returning their rental car. Right, because they obviously got implicated by their uh, co-conspirator. Yeah. Right? So now... Uh, so they showed up, they tied them up, put them in the bathtub. Yeah, the cops showed up. They But Sonny had already called the cops, so that stopped that particular plot. Yes. Right, like stopped it in action. Who knows what Gina was planning on doing, but it was stopped before whatever it was could yeah. have happened. Yeah. But she did successfully steal $5,000. That she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the trial. So Gina Han was tried for conspiracy to commit murder, two counts of burglary, possession of a firearm, and false imprisonment. Uh, Sonny received $10,000 for her story on the tabloid TV show Hard Copy. It's a two-for-one profit right there. Yeah. 5000 10000 mm-hmm. On the first day of the trial, Sonny was lucid and well-composed. Uh, but on the third day, she appeared disheveled and un- unable to talk or walk competently. Sonny revealed that she argued with her mother the night before on the phone, broke up with her boyfriend, and attempted suicide by overdose with several dozen sleeping pills. Mm. Oh, so this is this is the sister that this is the quote unquote victim. less evil, right? Okay, <laughs> less evil of the two, the evil less sisters. evil, the, the, two well, evil the, sisters. The, the victim, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. All right. The trial went on without Sonny's presence. Gina's defense argued that she never wanted to kill Sonny, but only intended to scare her and get her things back. Right. Gina was found guilty and received the maximum sentence of 26 years to life in prison. Hmm. 
And uh, that's pretty much where the story ends. There are some more suicide attempts uh, after that. And uh, in 2005, Snapped, a series about true crime on the Oxygen Network, ran an episode about Gina's plot to kill her twin sister. And you can actually watch that on YouTube if you want to get a little more out of the story. Right. Okay. I yeah. was totally waiting for the twist ending where, where Janine switched clothing with Sonny and oh, they yeah. ended up locking up Sonny and Janine. <laughs> oh, maybe that happened. <laughs> that's, that's that whole, oh, I tried an overdose thing and why she's acting weird. It was for the switch. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Dun dun dun! No, there could have been the classic moment where she like jumps out of the uh, you know defendant's dock and like hugs her sister, and they spin in a circle. And she's like, "Aha! Which one of us? <laughs> is I'm the, the real Sunny. I'm the real Sunny. The one with the mustache." <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, also in the uh, 1990s, uh, actually the summer of 1990, uh, does, is anybody familiar with Canadian serial rapist Paul Bernardo? Uh, familiar in what just, way? Uh, just uh, yeah. I think Just, we've heard of him. As you may have guessed, trigger warning right now. We're going to talk a little bit about well, some Well, uh, any of our listeners stuff. who aren't in Canada might not be so familiar with right. him. Right. I think we might want to do a thing on this guy in Evil Dudes in History. He's pretty brutal. He's like, pretty evil. Yeah. So I'm going to concentrate mostly on this one instance with him and his wife, Carla Hamulka. Okay. Uh, Carla had a younger sister, 15-year-old sister, uh, younger than her, named Tammy. And Paul Bernardo convinced Carla that if she really loved him, he would let him deflower her. Right. She agreed. Mm-hmm. Deflower that, that's Carla's defla- sister. Def- deflower the 15-year-old younger sister. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because when they got together, he Carla was, was not a virgin. That's correct. And yeah. he had this thing about virgins. Okay, yeah, right. And he apparently obsessed about Tammy, like he would like watch her undress through the window from the outside and mm-hmm. like masturbate and constantly leer at her whenever they were they were visiting and things like that. Uh, Carla agreed, seeing quote an opportunity to minimize risk, take control, and keep it all in the family. Well, and that was her story after the fact. Yes, yeah. and and there is some also to point out that you know she was she was. Not to defend her, but she was at the time also being brutally physically abused at his right. hands. Mm-hmm. Like there are some photos that they brought up at her trial. You can barely recognize her. Like her yeah. eyes are both black and closed shut. Yeah. And so he was a pretty brutal dude. Hamalka stole the anesthetic agent Halothane from the veterinary clinic where she worked. Uh, in December of 1990. You know what's always a good policy is to uh, knock humans out with animal tranquilizers. Yeah. Nothing ever goes wrong with that plan. Uh, December of 1990, after a Hamulka family Christmas party, Bernardo and Carla Hamulka drugged Tammy Hamulka with the animal tranquilizers. Happy Merry Christmas to Paul. <sighs> Bernardo and Carla Hamulka raped Tammy while she was unconscious. They filmed the entire rape taking turns holding the camera. Mm-hmm. Tammy later choked on her own vomit and died. Bernardo told police he tried to revive her but failed, and her death was ruled an accident. They said that she got drunk or something at the Christmas party, yeah. and then she aspirated on her own Before vomit. they called 911, they hid the evidence, they redressed her. Uh, she apparently had a chemical burn on her face, and they moved her into her basement bedroom. Uh, a few hours later, Tammy was pronounced dead at St. Catherine's General Hospital without having regained consciousness. So this is kind of less pushing you out of the nest <laughs> to survive and more yeah. pushing you into a nest with the serial rapist yeah, yeah. yeah. right yeah. three weeks after tammy's death carl and paul filmed a video called the fireside chat within the Hamulka residence the video was eventually reviewed as court evidence it started in the basement re- recreation room and at some point the filming moved into tammy's bedroom while they're in the recreation room carla admitted to paul that she liked it when he raped tammy and had fun 
She uh-huh. also stated in the video that she would like to leave a rose at Tammy's grave because it had touched Paul in his private places. The rose? The rose, yes. Uh-huh. When they were in Tammy's bedroom, Carla dressed up in Tammy's clothing as well as acted just like her sister. They eventually had sex on Tammy's bed. This is a healthy um, yeah. sex life. Uh, they were both eventually arrested for their multiple murders and rapes. Uh, I think we're going to do Paul Bernardo at some point, so we'll get yeah. into the details of that. He basically got away not. with this until got, he, they got caught for the other murders and rapes because this was ruled an accident. They, yeah. they, they covered this up well enough. Yeah, yeah, because I think it probably would have been difficult for the authorities to imagine that a sister and her husband would have drugged, raped, and accidentally murdered her teenage sister. Yeah. It was probably not the first thing that occurred to them. It didn't sound suspicious. Having a teenager get too drunk and aspirate on vomit was probably common enough right. that it wouldn't seem an outlandish claim. Yep. I think they would have had more trouble if Tammy had have survived the incident and then been like, what the fuck just happened to me? Yeah. Right? Like she might have actually raised questions. So who knows? Maybe Tammy wasn't waking up the next day no matter what. Yeah. And the whole vomit thing just kept Paul from having to do it himself. Was was a lucky accident for Paul? <laughs> Carla ended up convincing prosecutors that she was abused and she cut a plea bargain and received a 12-year manslaughter sentence. Mm-hmm. However, videotapes of the crimes later surfaced and demonstrated that she was a more active participant than she had claimed. As a result, the deal that she had struck with prosecutors was dubbed in the Canadian press, quote, the deal with the devil. It stood, right? Yeah. It was, you can't, uh, uh, was it double jeopardy or whatever? You can't stand trial twice. It's a signed plea agreement and there wasn't any Mm. clause in there about like uh, hiding or manufacturing evidence. And that was sort of like the prosecutors were, I think, roundly criticized for not putting this clause in there that if it was discovered that some of the evidence was manufactured or hidden, Uh, it would null and void the deal. Considering all the pictures of her being abused, you can't exactly blame them. No, absolutely. Story sounds completely. I mean, she was abused. Just from what sounds like we're on these videos, it didn't sound like that was necessarily what pushed her over the edge. Yep, she served her sentence and is now out and apparently living in Guadalupe. Uh, Yeah, and she has a new name. She does not go by Carla. Oh, of course not. No. We should also mention that she was in the media recently. Her name was because of the most recent Canadian killer who was mailing body parts around. Oh yeah, Magnata. He, uh, or it was claimed about him that he dated Carla Homolka at one point. He's on the internet denying this back when he was free. But then it came out a little later that he was probably the one who started the rumor in the first place just to get attention. Right. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. Do you want any more science stuff? Sure. I thought, well, especially after that lovely story that, <laughs> that Joe just shared with us. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the, the nicer side of, uh, of sibling interaction just for a bit. I know it's not so creepy and disturbing. Okay, only for a little just, bit, Just though. a tiny bit. Somebody told me, Greg, that you've listened to the show before. <laughs> so I don't know if you noticed or not. We don't usually do the lighter side of things. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you one quote. It, it involves death. Maybe that'll keep you happy. Okay. All right, okay. So this, there's this famous uh, scientist by the name of uh, J.B.S. Haldane. He was famous for quite a few quotes in scientific circles, but uh, the one that has to deal with siblings is he was the one uh, who worked out the genetics, the relationship between different siblings Mm -hmm. and different uh, relations, and said that uh, mathematically, uh, I would lay my life down for two brothers or eight cousins. Oh, (laughs) interesting. So he figured out the whole kin selection because you share 50% of your genes with your brother. Now, what country was Haldane from? Haldane's a Brit. Mm-hmm. You, you need to say it in the accent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> pip, pip, chidio. <laughs> I would lay my life down for two brothers or eight cousins. Oh, very nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I wouldn't. See, Torn, you can be replaced. Oh. He's only got one brother. No, for the, <laughs> the accent. Oh, I see. <laughs> and another favorite Haldane quote of mine is, the universe is not only queerer than we suppose, but queerer than we can suppose. Mm. Kind of fits with our discussion here. This so thing. he's big into gay marriage. So is Caustic Soda. Come on. I was making a pun, Joe. I think you should get gay married. That's how behind gay marriage. Oh I God, Joe! I, I wish I've I been were waiting gay. for you to ask that for so long. <laughs> Not to me. I've got hyena. African spotted hyenas are born with eyes open, alert, and armed with sharp teeth, and start fighting each other at a surprisingly early age to establish dominance. Okay. Uh, battles but between hyena cubs can last for weeks. Not necessarily to kill each other. Not. This isn't like. Not necessarily. It but, may but happen. possibly to weed, weed them out in other ways. Okay. Uh, baby hyenas have even been known to dig smaller tunnels inside the burrow and fight inside these tunnels where their mother can't reach to separate them. In some cases, the weaker cubs die because of their injuries, but usually their fate is even worse. After being bullied so ruthlessly by the stronger cubs, they become so shy that they won't leave the burrow when their mother comes home to feed them, and they die of starvation inside the burrow. Oh, wow. Oh, because they, they don't want to come outside and get the shit kicked out of them yeah. by their brothers. Yeah. So sisters. The, the, the statistic that I read was that uh, up to 25% of all spotted hyena deaths are due to siblicide. So is this why the hyenas are always laughing? They find this incredibly funny? Yep. They're, uh, you know, <laughs> the taunting, the bullying. Hyenas are total jerks. They're laughing wow. at each other most of the time. They're always the jerks, aren't they? They're the in, in any kind of a, a Disney movie or a, yeah. a hyenas are the bad guys. The Joker yeah. had one in the animated Batman Oh, that's cartoon. right. Yeah. The two actually had the laughing, called. laughing yeah. psychotic. Of course, yeah. the the two bad guys in Lion King, which we'll talk about later. Public service announcement: Hyenas are assholes. I know you guys did a whole episode on on parasites, but yeah. parasites are uh, are a fascinating topic when it comes to siblings, mm-hmm. uh, really insects in general. So parasitoid wasps will lay their eggs in hosts, other caterpillars insects, usually caterpillars that have been paralyzed yeah. but are still mm-hmm. alive, and. Uh, it gets worse than that because then inside the caterpillar, the little parasitoid wasps, uh, larvae, start to fight amongst each other. So sort of the, the tiger shark story all over again. Yeah. So they're like duking it out over the caterpillar? Yeah. Well, in, like, in the caterpillar. Inside a living caterpillar. <laughs> right. right, but like to get, to access, get to, to, to eat, eat more of the caterpillar the than, caterpillar, that's than right. the other larvae. That's right. This is like a layer problem. Layer. This is an onion of And how eating. greedy do you have to be? If, if you and your brother got stuffed into a giant like ice cream cake... <laughs> Wouldn't oh you share? God, you just awesome. share. Like, dude, there, look how much ice cream cake there is. We're literally know. inside it. There's, a, but you know what? You you could say that, but then if one of you starts eating the ice cream cake a little bit faster yeah. than the other, we're like, hey, dude, you just ate like twenty percent more than mm. I did. Or maybe these. I, that's not the way I see suck it. up the brain freeze, buddy. That's what you get for eating too fast. Or maybe these wasp larvae just don't like the taste of caterpillar. Could be that. This well. Only very specific little delicacy morsels within. Well, you'd just rather eat your brother. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that could be. Tastes better. It's like, no, it just becomes one of those, like, you can love hamburgers, but if you have 20 hamburgers, you want to try some brother. Fair enough. Right? Well, specifically in the Copidomopsis floridanum wasp. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> The mother injects two eggs into the caterpillar's body, one the egg's male and the other egg's female, uh, but they don't give rise to one brother and one sister. Instead, the eggs quickly clone themselves in a process known as polyembryony. That's another good word. Wow. 
I like to get that on my pizza sometimes. Polly embryoni. <laughs> uh, soon the caterpillar, still living, becomes a nursery to 200 male larvae and over 1,200 female larvae. What? Attack of the clones. <laughs> Out of these females, around 50 grow larger than their siblings, developing huge jaws, but no sexual organs. Uh, they actually seek and devour as many of their brothers as they can find. The reason they do this is because the male larva will actually fertilize their sisters while inside the caterpillar, and only one or two males are enough to fertilize all the females. So these are like tribbles. Therefore, by eliminating the surplus of males, the cannibalistic larvae ensure that there will be more food for their fertile sisters. So they're born pregnant, like tribbles. This is really weird. Okay, so hold on. They get injected into the caterpillar. Just two eggs. Yep. And then very quickly, they clone and clone and clone until yep. they're 200 males and t- 1,200 females. Inside, a, inside one caterpillar. Inside one caterpillar. But 50 of those 1,200 females have no sexual organs, so can't get pregnant. And they're and just the, the eaters. Then the other 1,150 can get pregnant, but you only need like two of the males to impregnate all 1150 of the females so the 50 non-sexual ones eat like 198 of the 200 males. I'm not going to check your math, but that sounds right to me. Oh my God, that's complicated. That sounds overly complicated. I thought nature was like trying to simplify things. How do they know when to stop? Yeah. It, it, oh, there's only one left. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> sisters, hold up. You stop eating them. Maybe all the males are like, all of a sudden they're like, okay, we got to impregnate these 1150 chicks. Fast. Start humping. Imagine trying to have sex after having just eaten like 50 of your oh, brothers. I'm so full. I'm Logie. <laughs> Thank you. Give me a minute. Full. Last thing I want to do is hump larva, but if I don't, I'm going to get eaten. <laughs> so I was saving the best story for last. It has a lot of similarities to our wasp story. Oh, nice. Um, this is a different kind of wasp. It doesn't involve the insides of a caterpillar, but it involves the inside of a fig. So the, the fig right. wasps, the story of the fig wasps. Are you going to ruin fig newtons for me? Yes. Pretty much. Because I love them. They're tasty. Well, there's a good escape clause that they can actually make figs without the wasps these days. Okay. Oh. All right. So we don't have to be too scared. Like but... Now with 50% less wasp. <laughs> That's right. That's what it says in the fig newton package. So uh, I'll try and shorten this because this is also a very long involved story. But it involves more some, math, Kevin, some wonderful, some really wonderful sibling rivalry in this. So uh, a fig grows on the fig tree. And uh, a female wasp smells the fig, and that's the place where she's going to put her babies. Okay. So she enters the, the, the fig through this little tiny opening. It's actually so small that she rips off her antenna and her wings as she goes into the fig. Okay. Which is okay, because she's never going to need to leave. Okay. Right. This is her okay. destiny in right. this fig. So she gets inside the fig, and there are actually two different kinds of flowers inside the fig. The flowers actually point inward in the fruit, right? A fruit oh, is just okay. sort of flowers that have been... Okay. Right. So right. there are little tiny miniature flowers inside this, this uh, uh, fruiting body. Okay. And some are long and some are short. So she tries to lay eggs in all of them, but her, her, her ovipositor that she uses to lay the eggs can only go into the short flowers. Okay. And the long flowers are going to stay flowers because they eventually will, will fruit. Okay. okay. So there's now a whole bunch of eggs laid inside, both male and female offspring of this one fig wasp. Mm-hmm. And... The boys hatch first, but the male new baby fig wasps have no wings, have no antenna. Basically, they're just a giant set of jaws okay. and reproductive organs. Okay. So all they're so, going to do So like is, me and Kevin. Yeah, I was about to say, they're called, much. so we can call them the jaw wasp. We'll Pretty much. Continuing. Yep. Yep. I, I added you as well. Yeah, I'm the jaws. You're the genitalia. I would thought we were both. <laughs> I feel left out. <laughs> <laughs> you're the brains in the mouth. So now they're going to fight to the death. 
kind of a common theme we've gotten to. Okay. So the males all fight with each other until there's just like one winner. They're fighting it out. This is maybe okay. another sport of the future inside a giant fruit. <laughs> fruit wars. Nice. And so, so then... The problem is you can't see it. You got cameras. We got cameras. Great the technology. You want to know what the prize is? The prize is you get to have sex with all of your sisters. Okay. Ah, the creepy nice. part is they have not hatched out of their, out of their eggs yet. Okay. So he's going to run around impregnating all of his sisters in the, all the little flowers that contain the females that haven't yet quite hatched. Okay. So when the females hatch, they're already impregnated. The male's last job is to chew his way out of the fig. Okay. And when he chews his way out of the fig, he now has an exit. There's now an exit strategy for right. all the females. For the females. Right. So the pregnant females fly out of the fig and go off to find a fig of their own. Oh, the, the balance repeats. of life. A fig of their own. It's the sequel to A League of Their Own. Fig of their own. There's no crying in fig wasps. <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better than you can do. I can do. We can do. I can do much, much better than you. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can shoot a partridge with a single cartridge. I can get a sparrow with a bow and arrow. We can do most anything. Can you bake a pie? No. Well, neither can I. Anything you can sing, I can sing louder. I can sing anything louder than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. It sings pretty loud. I'm superior. No, you're inferior. I'm the big attraction. Oh, no, you are the small. I'm the major one. Oh, no, you're the minor one. I can beat you at anything. And that's not all. Anything you can buy, I can buy cheaper. I can buy anything cheaper than you. 50 cents. 40 cents. 30 cents. 20 cents. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can dig, I can dig deeper. I can dig anything deeper than you. 30 feet. 40 feet. 50 feet. Oh, go to digging, kid. Oh, I'm so tired. I can drink my liquor faster than a flicker. I can do it quicker and get even sicker. I can live on bread and cheese. And only on that. Yep. So can a rat. Any note you can reach, I can go higher. I can sing anything higher than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Pick up your tonsils. I'm sorry. Can lick, I can lick faster. I can lick anyone faster than you. With your fist? With my feet. With your feet? With an axe. Call me a cab, kid. <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, we can. No, you can't. Yes, we can. No, you can't. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. 
in the news. June 23rd, 2012, Chennai, India. An argument between two brothers over hailing an auto rickshaw to go to the house of their uncle, who had passed away early on Friday, resulted in one stabbing the other to death. I got hung up on auto rickshaw. I totally got hung up on auto rickshaw, too. (laughs) Do you want to look up what that is? Because I don't know what it is. I'm guessing it's a rickshaw that has some sort of motorized vehicle. It's probably probably just like a bike. with. It's like a scooter. Yeah. It's got like like a robot pulling it. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. It's got an automaton. No, it's a transforming rickshaw. It's, oh, <laughs> auto rickshaw transform. It's one of those little rickshaw-sized cabs. Okay. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll put a picture on so people can see. So now read that first sentence again. <laughs> Best part of this whole story so far. <laughs> an argument between two brothers over hailing an auto rickshaw to go to the house of their uncle who had passed away early on Friday resulted in one stabbing the other to death. Oh, they okay. really wanted to go to the uncle's house. Yeah, but rick- why couldn't they just both go? Have you ever seen those rickshaws? They're tiny. Oh, okay. Police said the two men were inebriated at the time of the incident. Oh, okay. Imagine that. Around 12.30 a.m. Mystery solved. (laughs) Mystery solved, yeah. Around 12.30 a.m. on Friday, the family received news of the brother's uncle who resided in Palavaram passing away. Thangaraj came to Panayan's house around 1 a.m. and the family then prepared to leave for Palavaram. Did you say the first guy's name was Thundercats? (laughs) Thangaraj. (laughs) Thangaraj sent Panayan to hail an auto rickshaw, but the latter returned after a while without having found a vehicle. The enraged older brother shouted at the younger one, and soon the men started exchanging blows. And he shouted, I am Mamra, the ever-living! <laughs> snarf, snarf. Suddenly, Thangaraj picked up a knife and stabbed Panayan in the stomach. Oh, that's the, one of the worst top ten places to <laughs> be stabbed. Panayan, who was badly injured, walked to the hospital but fell down on the way. He died there due to heavy loss of blood, the police officer added. Thangaraj was arrested and sent to Puzol Prison on Friday evening. So mm. for some pretty quick justice Went there. to Pumra P- Prison. I don't think that's worth getting angry over. I'm sadder than you. Like, go get a cab. I couldn't find one. Fuck you! <laughs> uh, no, but he said fuck you and then punched him, and the other guy stabbed him back, right? Isn't that how it worked? With his brother's stabbing knife. So it was it was fuck you punched him yeah and then he went fuck you and stabbed him. him time to put your beak on so really I kind of blame the guy who died is sort of kind of to blame for this because why did he punch him for failing to get a cab we've got two escalations here yeah there's the escalation of beating the guy up for not finding a cab effectively an auto rickshaw yeah uh-huh. and then there's the you got punched so you pull out a knife and stab your brother in the stomach <laughs> that's also a bad escalation there's two yeah. mistakes here this is a uh, mistake sandwich. What you got to do is you got to take that first hit, and then you got to turn your head to the side, wipe the blood, and look at him and go, that's one. <laughs> oh, yeah. My brother hit me once. 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 And then it went, no, 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 you're my brother, and you hit me all the time, you motherfucker. Stab. <laughs> that's, it ends the same way. Fate can't be, can't be diverted. Pop culture. Neil Gaiman's Stardust. Yeah, this is the first time I saw it. It actually was the second film directed by Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. It's really interesting because the catalyst that strikes gets this whole plot started is the fact that all the princes of the realm must murder each other in the rules of ascension yeah in this oh much like kingdom. in the ottoman empire as we discussed yeah yes. they didn't have to use kind a silk like thread that. though they could use right. anything yeah and it was a uh, a magic kingdom so all the brothers were were became ghosts and like haunted their their brothers that killed them <laughs> except oh. except they were like so kind of damned mor- if you do and damned if they, you don't they were morose like they yeah. were just they're sitting they're just there just like out. oh great we got to stay here as ghosts until like the new king is chosen 
That's awesome. Yeah. They didn't like haunt. Woo! No. They would just sit by and watch and then make jokes and... And sometimes cheer. Yeah. Right? All right. Or like if somebody did something good, they would do little golf claps. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they would, oh. uh, they would actually... They always had the countenance of however they died. Yes. So oh. one guy had an axe in his head. One guy oh, was very drowned. Beetle juicy. So he was dripping yep. wet. Beetle juice. Yes. Or one, the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. One guy okay. was thrown out of a window, so his hair was constantly billowed out to one and side. And his face was flat. Kind of landed. flat from... Uh, oh. From where he landed, yeah. And when was this made? 2007. Yeah, it relatively was recently. Very entertaining. It's kind of a new Princess Bride in that it's a really fun, self-aware, but not mocking itself too much right. kind of fantasy with a very little bit in the in the real world. Tongue-in-cheek fantasy. Great yeah. supporting yeah. cast. Robert yeah. De Niro, Ricky Gervais. Robert De Niro is yep. so good in that. Oh, is this the one with Zeppelins and stuff? There's yeah, one he, Zeppelin. He's Well, I've he's in a kind of sky boat. Yeah, yeah I've seen this movie. <laughs> wow you yeah. furrowed oh, your brow when you said movie. it you didn't like it Mark Strong is Septimus the Michelle seventh Pfeiffer? of seven brothers yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's the evil witch meh okay wow huh. take that listener audience who thought they were really going to enjoy this movie because everyone in Caustic Soda really liked it one of them didn't really like it well you know what I'm have some disagreement. <laughs> you know what I'm meh about in kind of the same vein me no Game of Thrones <laughs> oh well let's talk about that then Game of Thrones I'm seriously meh let's talk siblicide yeah. sibling rivalry in Game of Thrones who kills each other spoilers in, in uh, yeah. Game the, of Thrones the question is how far ahead do we go like, <laughs> well this is a good point how, how do we go with spoilers let's just say there are plenty two seasons of the TV show have already aired yeah. so is that yeah. safe for spoiler territory let's just assume everyone is caught up 100% on the TV show. Yeah, all yeah, of our TV listeners. They can skip not... ahead if they don't want to hear the spoilers. <laughs> there are several brothers who think that they should be king in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. Baratheons, Stannis and Renly. One king dies. I think that's not too bad to spoil. It happens in the first season. Yeah, we, yeah the, the Elder, which, which, which sets everything into motion for who's going to be the next king. That's yeah. right. I, I get confused. I've watched the first season and probably like three or four episodes of the second season, but I don't remember anybody's name. Oh, okay. Who are the Baratheons? Uh, so, so, Good guys or bad guys? That, that no such thing There's exists no such in, thing Game in Game of Thrones. Thrones. Sean Bean was a good guy. He Okay, he kind of, yeah. But also remember he had no problem cutting people's heads off if he thought they were, like, if they did the slightest wrong. It's because he's a good guy. Okay. I watched three What was episodes. his family's name? The Starks. Starks, okay. Starks are mostly good guys. Baratheons. Okay. So the Baratheons were, remember his big fat mostly. friend who was the king? Yes. That's, he's he's the, the main Baratheon. Right. King King uh, Robert Baratheon. Yeah. And then he's got two younger brothers. One is Renly, who's on his small council. And Stannis, who you don't see in the first season that much. Second season, Stannis shows Stannis up. Stannis is the middle brother. Stannis is the is the middle brother. Yeah, Robert's the oldest. Renly was the youngest. youngest. Yeah. Okay, but where's the sibling rivalry? On well, this? what happens is uh, a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Robert Baratheon dies, and that leaves the the throne open. There's some question as to whether or not. His son should be the king. The two brothers now proclaim, they both proclaim themselves king. Stannis because he's the oldest. Renly because basically everybody hates Stannis because he's just an emotionless creep. Mm-hmm. So he, even though he's the younger brother, everybody likes him. So he actually has all the armies on his side. Right. And then one of those two, I'm not gonna, let's not spoil it. This is season two. One of those two gets killed. Uh, by the other, the other one, one, effectively. So it's a right. battle of brothers for the for the crown. But there's all okay. throughout the books and stuff. There's all sorts of interfamily and intra-family squabbling and fighting. And yeah, I yeah. watched the first three episodes of season one, and I uh, could not have cared less. This is the problem I had with Game of Thrones. Is the same problem I had with Lost. Episode one, monsters. Okay, you don't you only see monsters one other time in the first season? 
right? So there right. was a promise of monsters at the beginning. Oh, that's a good point. And then there was no monsters. It's, it's a fantasy series without much fantasy. Yeah. It's more historical, more... Well, what's going on is those... From what I, I've read a bit more of the books, this is not much of a spoiler, but at the be- beginning of the season, beginning of the books, there's not much magic left in the world. They've got all these tales of dragons and tales of monsters, but most of the people, like even uh, the imp, uh, Tyrion Lannister, like makes fun of the men guarding this wall to the north, saying, oh, you're worried about snarks and grumpkins, like he's making up these little fake fantasy creatures mm. that nobody's seen for hundreds of years. The boogeyman. People don't even believe they're real. They just think that they're old stories from back in the day. Mm. But what's happening is as all this political intrigue is happening, magic is coming back to the world. Things start to happen that haven't happened for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I wanted more of. So, well, you're going to have to wait till later it in builds. the season. It, it does build. More up. and more monsters. That's building too slowly. <laughs> that's my point. Here's, <laughs> here's Everything the, in this series builds too slowly. It does, yeah. It, okay, this is my way of And I should say that I haven't read slow. the books, so yeah. if it's yeah. true to the books, that's an argument. Right. But that doesn't necessarily make it good TV. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you want more monsters, I think there's more in the books. The way that I like to deal with how long it's going to take Game of Thrones, and I kind of realized this, I'm on about the fourth book reading right now. Mm-hmm. It's not actually one huge story that, you're, that you should hope for closure on the story. There's no one main thread going on, really. Mm-hmm. What I think you should look at Game of Thrones as is an excuse for George R. R. Martin to tell a whole bunch of stories in the same world, all interconnected. So he kind of like introduces a new story. This is the one about Ned Stark and the stuff that happens to him. Bam, that story's done. Now I'm going to keep telling other stories about other people, but the Ned Stark thing just happened, and they're all getting woven together. Right. I see a lot of the complaints that people have about Game of Thrones are just like, oh my God, nothing ever happens, or when's he going to get to the things that are happening? And I'm reading the books going... Tons of stuff is it's happening. All happening. There's uh, tons all of new stuff. stories popping up, tons of new problems, and then they get dealt with, and then that little story ends, and mm-hmm. then new ones start up. So if you look at it that way, then I think it's much easier to take it like that. The other problem I had was there are four likable characters in that first season. This is completely true. There are not very many good guys. There's Sean Bean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the Seen dwarf. Me. Tyrion, yeah. There's the youngest girl of the Stark family. Arya. And Who's there's fantastic. her sword trainer. Oh, the Bravosi. Uh, Those are the four characters elect in that first yeah. season. Half of them are dead. Yes. <laughs> and there was no one to replace them. But what's cool yeah, is I some liked. of the characters you start out not liking, you end up liking more as it goes on because or you maybe, learn sort of where they came maybe from. Maybe you just are becoming more evil as you watch more and more <laughs> Game of Thrones. No, but, if, but if, here's the thing, though. Torin loves H.P. Lovecraft and all sorts of other despicable stories where nobody's likable yeah, in them either. Monsters. Yeah, monsters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I but think we're going to have to agree to disagree. Okay. Sure. There's some great sibling stories. That's the bottom line. So yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the siblings, uh, both good and, and bad stories, uh, and uh, the other really interesting one are all of the Lannisters. And I'm going to say, if we're going to continue this conversation in the, in the, in the comments on CausticSodaPodcast.com, I'm going to ask all the people to start marking spoilers. Like, mention spoiler book one, spoiler book two, something like that, just so people who join in can skip over whatever you're doing. Got and it. I'm going to request they don't do that, because I love it when spoilers are spoiled. It <laughs> <laughs> makes me personal satisfaction. a lot of ways to spoil so, that show. You are a, uh, so a miscreant. So. so choose your side. You can well, be, what does that make you, a Lannister you can or be, Stark? You can, makes me a Lannister. Yeah, it does. You can be good and side with me, and you can be evil and side with Torrin. Uh, Lion King, we mentioned it before. The, yeah. the sibling rivalry is right at the beginning, and unfortunately the bad guy wins. <laughs> Between Simba and Scar. Scar bad. You're weird, Uncle Scar. You have no idea. (laughs) 
in in a Jeremy Irons segue because yeah. he does the voice for Scar. Yes, he is the star in Cronenberg's Dead Ringers, playing oh. both brothers. He he plays two twin brothers. Are they both gynecologists, or yes, just one of them? Are. No, they're they're partners in the business, and one of them is kind of the people person, and the other one like builds their proprietary equipment and toys and whatnot. Okay. And so one of them is very, he's very, he's like a Lothario. He seduces women and he's the face of the, of the organization. And the other one is kind of the scientist type and he's very shy. And, and where does the rivalry come in? I believe they fall in love with the same woman. Right. Right. So it's a uh, classic. And then they kind of, it, there's a, they, they descend into madness. Okay. Yeah. And very Cronenberg style. style. Okay. I, I think this is the first Cronenberg movie I ever saw. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because <laughs> it, it like totally turns into this like surrealist nightmare landscape where they manufacture these like gynecological tools that look more like torture devices. And Oh, so it's a Cronenberg film. It's, it is it is a decidedly Cronenberg film. So it's it's creepy and weird, but if you like Cronenberg movies, you will love this movie. And Jeremy Irons is as creepy and as weird as Jeremy Irons can possibly be, now, which without, is super creepy and weird. Without spoiling the movie for us, yeah. is this sibling rivalry or do the siblings work together? It becomes a little bit of a roller coaster ride. They work uh... together, then they're at odds. And then they come back together to do horrible things together. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Mm, caustic. Yes. I have another David Cronenberg film, mm-hmm. History of Violence. Oh, yeah. That's when he stopped making the creepy ones, or at least the, the bizarre creepy ones, and started making the real-life creepy ones. Well, you know what the really funny part is? is that Has anybody here else written the gra- read the graphic novel on which it was based? No. The movie no. was based? I have. And the graphic novel is actually way creepier and weirder than the movie. So Cronenberg like un- toned it down, unweirded it a little. Oh, bit. that's Very unexpected. Yeah, no, it was uh, uh, definitely unexpected. Well, this movie stars Viggo Mortensen, Ed Harris, and William Hurt. Uh, Viggo plays a teenage mob hitman who left the uh, mob after messing with a made man, and he goes to live... A civilian lifestyle? A civilian lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets married, up, he has kids. Well, he marries Maria Bello, so it's not like he... That's a pretty soft landing spot. That woman is very attractive. Right. None of them know anything about his, yeah, his family, history of violence. His family knows nothing about it, and it comes back to haunt them all. Yeah, because his brother ends up being one of the mob bosses back in Philly. That's right. He foils a robbery attempt, and so he gets all this attention right. from the national news. Yeah. And so all the mobsters go, oh, there, there he is. is. <laughs> and then they go to find him. And it was, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it actually, I ranked out on my incredibly short list of movies that are superior to the written works on which they are based. Oh, all right. And yeah. for a brief callback, it's set in Philadelphia. Oh, right. <laughs> And you like this one, Kevin. During the shooting of the first bar scene with Ed Harris, he could not stop laughing. Vigo could not stop laughing. And it, as a result, the scene had to be reshot several times. Due to Vigo Mortensen's behavior, Ed Harris completed the scene without pants. He only wore his underwear, yet this cannot be seen as the bar table impedes our view. Okay. Thus, Vigo Mortensen had to act seriously while Ed Harris was not wearing any pants. And this is the scene that is used in the movie. So right. Due to his behavior, he had to wear no pants? No. But no. it was the no pants that was making him laugh? Here's, no, here's what happened. 
because you shoot a scene from two sides. Right. Right. Because yep, yep. you you only could light one side at a time. Right. right. So you've lit one way. So you shoot. You're shooting Ed Harris's side. So the camera's yep. on Ed Harris. You're yep. shooting over Vigo Mortensen, like over his shoulder or something. Right. So you can't see Vigo's face. So Vigo can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And Ed Harris has to. He's got to be. He's got to act mm. right to the camera. Okay. And while Ed Harris is trying to be very serious and act. Vigo Mortensen is cracking up laughing every eight seconds. So when they turned around to shoot the other side, Just as Ed Harris took his pants, his pants off, off. Okay. and is like, okay, Vigo, now you do it. <laughs> Fuck you. Ed Harris is really creepy in that movie. Oh, he's great. He usually plays a nice guy, doesn't he? Uh, I don't know. He played Jackson Pollock, and that guy was kind of a prick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy was not a nice guy. He's a range. He does creepy, does nice. Yeah, when Jackson Pollock dies in a car crash, you're kind of like, finally. Jesus. <laughs> His blood splashed artfully on the pavement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a million examples in ancient mythology of sibling rivalry. Everything yeah. from Cain and Abel in the Bible to Romulus and Remus in Rome to uh, you know all the Greek gods who are all mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and always at odds with one another. Like... It's an incredibly widespread uh, trope, something yeah. that we, well, keeps when you, coming back. When you make a group of characters, making them a family is a good way to, to have a reason for them to stick together. And yeah. then you want drama, so you're going to need some kind of competition. And yeah, and pull them apart. Yeah, the, en- the Endless. Sad, yeah. Sandman's Endless is all. The Sandman's Endless, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Death, desire, dream, destiny, destruction. Dorkiness. Delir- delirium. <laughs> Sleepy, sneezy. Well, I watched... The 1962 film, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, starring Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. When I first saw this movie, it was so creepy and weird, and I was surprised that a movie this early was this creepy and weird. Yeah, right? for sure. Like I, It's black and white, so I thought it was kind of in the 50s, which, but it, it's 62. They actually chose to film it in black and white. Oh, yeah? They could have filmed it in color, but they It was still the same. 50s and 62. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, Betty Davis... Is a freaky chick. Betty Davis plays this kind of ex-child star, kind of yeah. Shirley Temple style. Very Macaulay Culkin. She was cute when she was little, and yeah, now she's exactly. like really bug-eyed and weird. And at that time, her sister was jealous. But then there was a switch when Betty Davis grew up. Her sister became like a Hollywood belle mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And then we cut to this scene where they're both at home it's after a party or they're just coming home in a car and one of them runs the other one over yeah kind of by accident sort of kind of sort of (laughs) yeah so then the rest of this movie is basically betty davis torturing joan crawford the characters although Mm. in real life they hated each other and they were constantly <laughs> feuding. And I'll get into that in the trivia well, section. Joan Crawford hated her children. She hated so, it. Yeah. No, she hated everybody. Hangers. <laughs> yeah. No, so Joan Crawford had definitely had a, a high threshold for hate. It's kind of like I was trying to think of some happy sister movies earlier on today. Right. The closest we could come to was Practical Magic. Uh, it's kind of like Without the Magic, that mixed with Misery. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's very interesting it's very kind of thriller-esque it's very yeah. like you said it's kind of disturbing and weird yeah. you wouldn't expect that from a black and white film uh, I would recommend it trivia because she was a member of the Pepsi Cola board of directors Joan Crawford made sure there were product placement shots in all of her later films including this one they're all and, drinking Pepsi <laughs> and during production oh maybe maybe Betty Davis walked on a set drinking a coke just to, like, better than that she had a wearing coke, pumas she had a coke machine installed on the set <laughs> Oh, nice. 
<laughs> Could you get me a Coke, please? And during the – there was a kicking scene where Betty Davis was kicking Joan Crawford on the floor. Yeah. Uh, she did actually connect, and the resulting wound required stitches. Oh, my God. She wearing steel-toed pointy shoes or something? And in retaliation, Crawford put weights in her pockets so that when Davis had to drag Crawford's near-lifeless body in another scene, she strained her back. <laughs> So holy shit! Like, well, this is this you know what made the movie good. This is <laughs> this is what made it so good because yeah, they went exactly. totally method with the hate. I was not acting like before method was even really invented. They went method. But, uh, the Wikipedia says the film's success led to the birth of the psycho biddy subgenre. I never <laughs> even knew that was a, a horror thriller subgenre. The psycho biddy. It's kind of become a trope now of the ex silent movie queen living right. alone in a yeah. mansion, still believing she. She's a star. But Ready for a, a close-up. A lot of that is Sunset Boulevard, too. Right? Yeah. Yep. In Reboot, the cartoon, there's Megabyte and Hexadecimal. You could kind of call them brother and sister, They I call themselves brother and sisters. Yeah. They your s- programs. Y- you eventually find out in season three. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, season three or so that uh, they used to be one big virus right. together. They, they, Reboot, it takes place inside a computer system, kind of like Tron, except there's no human. They're all programs. And the games come in to get played, and the games wreck everything. But there's also viruses, which are kind of the bad guys. Okay. And they're two different villains. And they used one to be one. One kind of is kind of like a crazy witch lady. Yeah, the she's one's more like, like an evil overlord. Darth dude. Vader kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Hexadecimal is very much like an agent of chaos. Yeah. Sometimes even does good things just because that would be the crazy thing. Wee! Yeah. Uh, whereas Megabyte is very much the schemer trying to take control of mainframe. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. acting. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good Good system. animation for the time. Most it still holds up. Ma- yeah. Made in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people who worked on it. It yeah. was uh, it was sort of uh... actually the director of Rocket Monkeys told me a story. He was working on it in mainframe. Oh yeah, and every week they would get a box of donuts, regular donuts and long johns. And after a while, they figured out that some crazy fan was sending them binary messages. <laughs> what? what ones and ones zeros? And zeros. <laughs> oh. oh my man. god, that is. Awesome and <laughs> creepy and weird. That's that's fandom. That Fantastic. is crazy fandom. The thing is, those first two seasons were very much like you'd watch them and go, this is pretty cool. It's nice they're doing a, t- a computer animated show and it's, and it's kind of fun and cute and it's got games and stuff. And then that third season started and they changed it all up and it became really yeah, good. absolutely. Like they, they got a whole season season spanning story arc going. Some of the characters had some really bad things happen to them and they had to like fight their way back against like impossible odds. But it got a little darker, a little bit more mature, a little bit more grown up and just became so much better. Uh, I think I was playing... A, role-playing games with a friend of mine friends of mine every wednesday and that was when the new episode would air and we would literally take a half hour break right in the middle of our role-playing games to watch the new reboot and then Nerds. we'd go back to games <laughs> because they was in the computer they could do whatever they wanted yeah so they could do any genre they could do yeah. any kind of computer game any kind of story westerns sci-fi fantasy yeah absolutely yeah TV shows Dexter, especially season one, there is a serial killer that becomes the main kind of antagonist throughout throughout the whole season, nicknamed the Ice Truck Killer. And it turns out that that is actually Dexter's brother. Dun, dun, dun. Back from wherever he was. And he's also a crazy killer. And he starts taunting Dexter with some of the, uh, the, the things that he's got from the women he's killed and like leaving them in Dexter's house without him knowing. Right, so this runs right. in the family, the serial killing. Well... Dexter and his brother were both found by Dexter's adopted father, who was a cop. 
basically in the blood of their murdered mother. Like they in a chewed their way out. <laughs> no, they were forced to watch. Like little tiger sharks. <laughs> there were three other siblings as well. But. Maybe. But the official story is uh, that they were forced to watch her be killed by some other serial killer when they were younger. And that's uh, what messed them both up. That's what shaped their destinies. Who remembers Baldur's Gate? The video game. This is going to be a weird coming from a video game guy who loves role-playing games. I've never played it. The essence of the entire plot starts with a character fighting against his slash her, spoiler alert, half-brother, Saravok, in the first installment, and culminating in a war between the player character and the other five strongest children of Bahal. So so his or her, because that's you, the person playing yes. the game, and yeah. whether you're male or female, mm-hmm. you have the sibling. Yeah. So do the siblings get whole armies against each other, or are they sort of plotting, backstabbing? I'm trying to remember. You start off as just like a regular adventurer kind of a person, and then people start coming after you, and you're trying to figure out why. And then you learn your heritage. I always just assumed Baldur's Gate was a nickname for Brazilian wax. I would play that game. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, start. I hope I don't go crazy today. When the week is new, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about, we will. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being mentally controlled by a parasitic barnacle. To comment on episodes, make a donation, or see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Zoo 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 zoo